You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. A week or two ago, I got a phone call, and uh, it was a college from the one of my kids attends, and uh, I assumed it wasn't bad grades or report cards. They don't do that in college, right? That's not, yeah, they don't do that. So I wasn't too worried about any of that kind of thing. But uh, immediately, they, you know, the woman, she asked, she just said, we want to update your contact information. And I'll be honest with you, as soon as somebody calls and they want your, you know, just verifying your info, and I'm like, wow, you got my phone number, you got my address, you got my email. I mean, like, you just about got everything that I've got, you know? And, uh, and then she started kind of chatting me up, and I thought, okay, I know what's coming in next. And sure enough, uh, you know, she was asking for a year in contribution for the school and uh, asked it in a very nice way. How many of you have gotten calls like that in the last few weeks or few months, right? Pretty, pretty regular, pretty normal uh, for all of us. Uh, when we think about money, that is a topic that is hard for us to talk about as a church, uh, or at least a lot of churches. It's difficult because if you care about people, you want it to be, uh, you want that to be the reality and what we deal with. But truth of the matter is, is money is something that is so common for us. It's truly like almost like breathing air. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that you are not spending money, right? And we all would love for our income to be way more than our outgo. And unfortunately, most often our outgo tends to be a little higher than it should be or we want it to be. But the pragmatic reality is that money is just, it's a part of everything that we do. And if as a church we don't talk about money, then subtly what we're saying is, is that God doesn't care and that Jesus might be Lord of everything else, but he has nothing to say, he does not care about our financials, our just where we are in our priorities with our money. And actually, that's not true at all. God cares a lot. In fact, the Bible talks a whole lot about it. As we're wrapping up 1 Corinthians this morning, Paul turns to that little subject uh, about finances, and he's talking to the church and in challenging them. In fact, he's commanding them to do an offering together to support the people in Jerusalem. There was a big famine in that land in the Middle East, apparently, at that time. And Paul over in Romans and says, look, guys, it's right for us to support them. It's right for you to do that because the gospel came to us through them, and it came from them as the Jews to you as Gentiles, and it's right for you to receive an offering to in turn give it back to them. So we're going to talk this morning about giving that pleases God. You know, and it's a Christmas season that we think about giving. To be honest with you, there's so much of it going around. I didn't intentionally uh, try to hit this topic uh, at this day and, or at this season. It just kind of fell that way as we've been walking for months through Corinthians. But we're going to talk about the giving that pleases God. So turn with me, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're almost done with the, chap- the whole book. In fact, we'll finish up next week. And then uh, we'll go into some uh, uh, holiday kind of a series on, uh, on Jesus and the Lordship and who he really is. But read with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and, and let's hear what Paul is talking to the church about there in Corinth. He says this in verse 1. He says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, that would be a Sunday, Each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit, whom you 
have judged and discerned to be people of integrity, I will send them by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Pray with me, would you, as we look at this together. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that even in these three little verses, that there's just significant things that, that you have revealed to us that we should know today about how we handle our own giving. Father, I pray that you would help us to hear from you. Father, thank you that we have the freedom to worship and the freedom to gather together. And Lord, I thank you for the provisions that you have made for us as a church and for our families here today. In fact, today being a Lord's Supper day that we celebrate this is a reminder that the greatest provision you've given of all is your son Jesus. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First thing I want you to notice this morning, the uh, giving that pleases God should be worshipful. Paul says in verse 1, I believe, let me put my glasses on, uh, actually verse 2, the first day of every week. He says, guys, the very first day, he's writing to a church that's gathering together on Sundays. In the early church, in the, or in the Old Testament, I should say, the Jews worshipped on Saturday, the last day of the week, and it was built off, honestly, the seven days of creation. God said, I worked for six days, I made this world, and on the seventh day I rested, you should do the same. But in the New Testament, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the Sunday, the early church, the, even the Jews, they shifted their day of celebration and kind of a group worship together, large group together. They shifted that to Sunday out of honoring and recognizing the resurrection of the Lord. So that was kind of the pattern and the custom of the time. And, and Paul said, when you are getting together, take together and, and, and bring an offering together so that when I come, that we don't need to do any of that, and we'll just send it on to Jerusalem. That means for you and me that our giving, our financial gifts to the Lord are a genuine, bona fide act of worship. It's our recognizing what God has done in our life, and out of our gratitude and our thanksgiving and our love and our trust, we give out of recognition out of, of that. Now, for some of you, if you've never really received Christ as Lord of your life and, and you really have not experienced that change in your heart and that God has not made you new and, and breathed a fresh life into your soul and given you that life, money and thinking about money actually probably comes a little bit harder for you. But for those of you who know Jesus Christ, have surrendered your life to Him, it's a natural thing for us to talk about. Jesus gave his life for us. I mean, even as we think about this morning, as we celebrate it in a special way with the bread and the, the juice, the, 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 uh, a picture of his body and his blood that were, was crucified and his blood that was shed for us, it's natural for us to give and to, to worship him in that. It's natural for us to say, well, God, I'm going to trust you. See, here's why it's worship. Whenever we give of an, a, a gift of an offering, whether it's to our church, honestly, whether it's to, to most any entity that we give beyond ourselves, not trying to get something back. We're not talking about entering two bucks in a raffle for a chance to win a, a boat or a trip to Disney, you know, something like that. It's, this is our free giving out of our own heart that we say this is a, a gift no strings attached. We expect nothing in return. And the reason it's an act of worship 
is because we are trusting God to take care of us in that moment. We're saying, God, you have provided for me everything that I need. God, I trust you to take care of me on the rest of what I have left over. God, I am putting aside some desires and wants and things that I would like to have. And God, I'm giving this to you as an act of devotion. It's a bona fide matter of worship in our heart, a joyful thing. So for the follower of Jesus Christ, it's a, it's a joyful reminder. Every time that we give should be saying in our heart, we should consciously be saying, God, I'm trusting you. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for giving me all that you have. Thank you for that. And God, I'm, I'm giving this back to you. I'm dedicating this. I'm doing this for you. It is an act of worship. I want to challenge you this morning, not just this morning, it's in a little while when we pass the offering buckets around, but literally every time we should in our heart have a discipline. God, thank you. I'm giving this to you as an act of worship. You see, it's healthy for us to do that. It's a healthy reminder for, we really give, to be honest with you, more for us than God. I mean, the Bible tells us God owns a cattle on a thousand hills which is just a nice poetic way of saying that God owns everything. If there was a title deed to the universe, if we could go to the local clerk's office, you know, and who owns the universe, there's only one name that we would find on that deed, and it's God. And he owns everything, so it's not like he needs your money or mine, okay? When you can make things out of nothing like God did at the very beginning, you really don't need anything. You don't need anybody else. You are completely self-sufficient when you've lived and existed for all of eternity on your own. He doesn't need us. So the giving is actually more for us than it is for God because it puts our priorities in place. It, it has a way of helping us to avoid idols in our heart and putting our hope and our dreams on things of this world and putting as a priority the stuff that we have around us. And it focuses our attention and it puts our, our heart and our mind upon Jesus Christ. It's an act of worship. Everything else that I'm about to share out of this passage starts there. First and foremost, it's our devotion out of a love and a, a joy and a respect for what God has done for us. We give to Him. Second thing I want you to notice that in this passage that Paul demonstrates as he writes uh, this to the Corinthian church, but written for our good, he says, on the first day of every week, notice that it just didn't happen at those, those gather worship times, but it was every week. It was meant to be regular. It was meant to be a pattern. It wasn't meant to say, you know, think about it this way. Well, yeah, I'm a person of prayer. I prayed once last, uh, I think last February 2017, I prayed. You know, yeah, I'm a giver. I gave once, you know, back in you know, March of 2016. He said, guys, every week as that church was coming together, he said, you guys make your giving a regular part of your life. You know, like a breathing and an eating and, and, and drinking kind of thing. I'm a, I'm a guy, I think I've said this before, but I, I don't live to eat. I eat to live. You know, there's kind of two kinds of people in the world. And sometimes, this may, you may find this hard to believe, but sometimes like, I'm just tired of eating. I really don't want to eat anymore. Can I just like not be bothered by it? Because I got other stuff I want to do. Like, why do I got to slow down and have a sandwich? And some of you are like, Sean, 
Listen, this is because you're just not eating good food. If you're eating really foody kind of food, you would just be so into this. So maybe so, I don't know, but anyway. But none of us say, well, I ate, you know, once, you know, last year, it ought to be good enough. It's a regular thing. You see, it's, it's again, it's part of that worship. God wants our heart to be oriented. For, uh, for most of us in this room, it's probably a weekly thing. If you, it, and we'll see in a minute, it's tied to even when our income is. So how, whatever our income and however that hits us, our giving ought to be a part of that. It ought to be just an income and, and part of it that gives out of us. Because God wants our heart continuously and constantly be entrusted to Him. You know, well, some, some of you may say, uh, some of you guys, I don't know if you're doing the online giving thing. Some of you may be doing the text thing. Do we still do the text thing, Dan? Okay, we do the offering by, by backs to the screen, so I don't see. So, you know, now we're not, because we're really cool in the modern world, you can text and do the offerings. I promise you, it doesn't go to my personal bank account, okay? I'm not, you know, taking special trips to Cancun, and I'm not driving a Maserati outside. Um, it goes into our church accounts. But uh, let me say this. So for some of you may be saying, well, it doesn't feel like a worship when I text that if I'm at home or if I just set up my automatic giving, you know, six months ago. And that can be legitimate, you know? So I would say to you, even if you're doing the automatic giving, as we pass the buckets around, you know, just take that moment in your heart saying, God, thank you for what you've given to me. Thank you that that's an automatic, you've done it, and it's a, a done deal. But it should be a regular, regular habitual thing. Because if it's not, look at it this way. Uh, we are spending our money right now as we speak. Lights are on, heats are on, water bill is you know, getting paid and all of that, even just being in this location. And if, if, we, if we value those things above our giving to God, then where does that put God on the list of our priorities? If we're more careful to say, well, I got to make sure that I make my car payment. I got to make sure I make my house payment. I got to make sure I pay my rent because I don't want to get kicked out of my apartment. I don't want to, you know, get foreclosed on. If we're not careful and if we don't treat, if we treat the giving that God wants us to do as of a lesser value of that, then our worship for God, we care less for God and God's things than we do about our own situation. And it really shows that our trust and our hope is not in God. So it should not just be worshipful, it should be a regular kind of habitual kind of thing in our life that just, it, we worship and it, it comes in and it goes out to what God has us to do. Now, the third thing I want you to notice is they did it together. He said on the first day of every week, each of you. The Bible is really specific here. And God, Paul is just very precise. He says, look, every week, each of you do this together. The biblical model uh, is that the, the giving that we see in the New Testament was funneled through the local church. Is that the only way that it could have been done? No, absolutely not. But it demonstrated biblically that it was the primary way. So, for example, a couple of weeks ago, my wife has a spiritual gift of giving. And if you don't have the gift of giving, it's always a challenge when you're married to one of those people because they just want to give stuff away and you're like... Oh, you know, really? And, uh, and she came, I remember, just in her, you know, nice way. And, and uh, she wanted to give, um, I don't remember how much we gave. It wasn't a lot, but um, 
to Mission Dignity, it was to a, a ministry that helps provide funds for retired pastors who didn't put enough away for retirement. Pastors and churches are notorious for not doing that well, and pastors give all of their life, and all of a sudden they get retired, and they've not planned well, and now what do I do? And so this organization helps supplement some of their income and that kind of thing. Great cause, and I was glad to do it. We didn't do it through our church because our church collectively doesn't do that. So you guys probably all have things that you give through and give toward and special things. Completely, absolutely appropriate to do. But together as a church, we're also looking at it, uh, and you'll see it today in our budget when we have our meeting afterwards, is we're trying to say, okay, our money matters where we put it. And you'll see those kinds of things. And we're trying to say that not only do you give to River, but I'll, I'll share with you a little more specific in a minute, but you're giving to some other specific things that, to be honest with you, we probably don't tell you enough about. Uh, that, and we want to do a better job, which is why we showed the video. Like, our money is going out into the world. Your money is going out into the world. And we want to celebrate that. So the church together becomes kind of a force multiplier focusing and channeling and harnessing God's blessings here and putting it out to God's kingdom to where God can, can bless others with it. So there's a together a corporate aspect, if you will. That's why we pass the offering plates together. It's that we together are worshiping God and we're investing in these other entities. Next thing I want you to notice, not only do we do it, for, did he say, for all of us to do it. Oh, by the way, and that means when we do it together, every person, there were slaves in this church, as well as wealthy. We've walked through this. You know, this is not a, oh, well, I'm, I don't make $100,000. You know, my uh, tax return isn't that high, so I'm, I'm exempt. Paul is writing to people who are slaves. Uh, they didn't have a minimum wage in the Roman Empire. Hello. You know, there was never a debate, never, you know, there was some real poverty there. And Paul's, Paul says, as every one of you has prospered. He says, give that. So it's for all of us, all of us to jump in and to be a part of it. My wife and I, we began, I mean, I was tithing before we got married. Tithing was never an issue for us after we got married, and we taught our kids to do that. It's just, it's never been up for debate for us. And it's something that God teaches us all to do, to be a, a part of, of His ministry uh, advancement. So we all do it together. But it, the next thing I want you to notice, I think we're on the fourth thing, and I'm going to go quickly through all of these, by the way, is it should be done with discipline. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up. That's where it gets hard. This is savings. This is, there's discipline here. Paul's like, guys, you need to set this aside. Don't just live week to week. There's times in our lives where we get there. You lose your job or you get in financial straits. You are kind of like, I don't know how we're going to make it through this week. And you're kind of doing that. But ideally, and if, if you're wise, the, the, the years where you have more, you've put money aside into savings. So you've planned for some of the lean years when you're either laid off or, or you, uh, you know, lose your job or you have to transfer or other things go on. But he's describing to us a people who are disciplined what they're doing. So the people, you know, put, your, put yourself in their world. Some of these people were likely farmers. They were, uh, you know, owned individual businesses, that kind of thing. And through that week, Monday through Saturday, as money's coming in, they were having to execute discipline. They were having to say, well, I may be made a thousand bucks today, 
but tomorrow I not make, might make, not make any. I can't say, woohoo, I'm going to buy this new ring or go to wherever or do whatever. There had to be a level of, of responsibility in that. You know, we could spend a lot of time, and today is not so much about us getting in all the nitty-gritty about how to handle money, um, but it, it talks about why, or it points in the direction of why we should all be thinking about a budget to operate from, to be thinking about being disciplined in what we spend our money with. You know, the challenges we think about giving this morning is, is that so many people, uh, when we're deeply in debt, it's a struggle. You know, we're like, Sean, my bills, I, I, my, I've got my car payment, my mortgage, I've got school bills, and I've, you know, my credit card comes in, and I don't have anything left over. So this one is actually the one that you begin with. It's saying, okay, God, if I'm going to please you with my giving, you've saved me. Take somebody, let's say, who's been, you know, a follower of Christ for two years, and as God has changed your life and you've experienced His grace and His forgiveness and freedom that He's given you in your life, then you might be at a stage where like realizing, okay, God really wants now to speak into my financial world. And maybe you are in that world where you're just barely making it and juggling and spinning and stressing and worrying. So your point where you are at that spot in life is say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to commit my finances to you Help me to experience your grace and your discipline even in this area. And so it means you've got to start saying no to some things and to get into a plan where you begin to get yourself out of debt. And there's some wonderful ministries out there. That Dan has helped set people up with budgets even in our church just to help people kind of know how to move forward in that. But it's got to be done discipline. And at the end of the day, the real discipline that has to happen, you don't have to know how to use a spreadsheet or a financial database. The real discipline has to be in your heart, guys, doesn't it? Two or three months ago, you guys, I think most of you know, I like to shoot bows. I like to shoot bow and arrow, not the bows you wear, the ones, you know. Then, and, um, and if you, guys, can you, we all agree, guys like to spend money. I don't know where the stereotype came that women like to shop, but there's no guy that I've ever met who doesn't like to shop either. Their shopping's a little bit different. You know, it's not going to the mall. I'll give you that one. But boys like their toys. Can we just, can we just all recognize and agree to that? Okay. And so, you know, my bow that I took in, the, it has to have the strings and cables replaced ever so often. All bows do that, and it was fraying, and I won't bore you with all the details, but I'm looking at it. Let's just say when you've got hundreds of pounds of kinetic energy and your bowstring breaks, it's not a pretty thing. It can put you in the hospital. It just can be dangerous. So, and I just watched it, and I took it into the shop, and I said, hey, do I need new strings? Because I really don't want this going. And the guy kind of, oh, well, you, you know, your bow's kind of old, and you probably do, and they're not cheap, and you're just better off buying a new bow, and why don't you try this one, you know? And I tried it, but I, I feel like I'm a fairly disciplined shopper, and wow, that was really nice, you know? <laughs> don't take your car, your old jalopy, to go to the shop to get worked on and have the mechanic tell you, you know, everything that's wrong with it, and just say, hey, just take this loaner for a couple of days. That's always dangerous, right? But oh my goodness, it was nice, it was carbon, it was light. I'm like, I could carry this forever. The, the, the riser handle would be warm when it's cold out. My shoulder, honey, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm not as young as I used to be. This pulls so much easier. And I told the guy, I was like, wow, this is really nice. 
I said, well, let me think about it. I'm fairly disciplined most days. And I said, I need, my, my, my go-to is I need to talk to my wife. And I was like, oh, don't talk to her. I'm like, yeah, you're nuts. You are absolutely, I don't, I don't know who you're married to, but I'm feeling for her already, you know? And I'm like, I'm not buying this thing. I'm not dropping 500 bucks on this without talking to my wife. That's insane, you know? It's crazy. And I went back and I prayed through it. And I'll just be honest with you, I wanted the bow, you know? It's fun, it's nice. And as we prayed through it and talked and all that, and just kind of learned that whenever you're thinking about those kind of things, you just walk away and let it sit. My, my tendency, and I've noticed this, is that I don't ever lose sleep. If it's the last one on the lot or the last deal, I don't care. If God really wants me to have that and going to take care of me, guess what's going to be there when I need it? I just, I've learned to trust in God and not let the sales of the world pressure me. And you know what I found over the next two days as I just thought about it? I just really don't need that bow. The string's okay. I went to another shop and they said it was okay. You know what happened the next time I shot my bow? I was like, I like this bow. It's not as nice as the last one. It's good enough. It is fine. You see, when we think about discipline, giving that honors God, you really can't give unless you begin creating discipline in your heart. Guys, I'll say this. If you don't say no to most of the things that crumb across your bow in front of you that you could buy or spend money to, if you don't say no to the most of the time, if you're saying yes most of the time, you don't have discipline. And you've got to cultivate that. If you're married, the two of you have to cultivate it together. Usually most relationships, there's a saver and a spender, and there's usually going on in there. But you got to work through all of that. Because Paul said, guys, set it aside. Be disciplined. Don't just spend it all. Be disciplined. Okay, giving that honors God's discipline. Some of you want to give more than you're able to give. Take your time, be disciplined. Allow God to grow through it. Begin getting out of debt and work through those things. And then you can be at that point where you can give in a way that, that you feel that you can worship God. So be disciplined about fourth or fifth thing, wherever we are. It's giving that pleases God is, is it's proportionate. He says to give as each one as he may prosper. See that in verse 2? Give as you've prospered. Don't worry about what you don't have. Just give out of what God has given you. It's to be proportionate. If God made, if you made a million bucks last year, you need to be given a million dollars, a gift worthy of a million dollar income. If you're out of work and didn't make anything last week, then don't worry about it. It should be proportionate. It should match. In the Jewish world, they understood this because God taught them this from the very beginning. It was 10% of their, of their income. Now, some people always ask, well, is that gross or net? You know, is that before taxes or after taxes and withholdings and all of that? So look at it this way. The, the Bible says we should give God our first fruits. He should get our first you know, cut, if you will, the, the best. Because if we don't give God that, then what we're giving God is out of our leftovers. That just doesn't feel like worship. Does that feel right to you? Do I want to honor Uncle Sam, our government, over God? I don't. I want to honor God. So, but give proportionately. You know, it's been said that God looks more at what is left over than he does at the size of the check. We always hear about these amazing wealthy people and celebrities who give X number of dollars around the world. Be honest with you, that's not the whole story. And that's amazing, you know, many of them will give more than I will ever see in my income, but you know what God is actually looking at? He's actually looking at what we keep, what's like left 
What did we give out of? Not the size of the check. That doesn't impress God at all. He's not impressed at all. So give proportionately and, if, and adjust it to as it hits, as your income goes up and down, as you have raises. It's something that you should be reconsidering you know, regularly. Every year when Susan and I, you know, we're reevaluating. Uh, it doesn't take as much work these days, but early on when we were married and, you know, I, my income could, you know, shift drastically from year to year, we would take, you know, look at those kinds of things because we would give our, our, our tithing, our 10% that we would give always to our church, and then we would always save and budget so that we could give um, to special, you know, things out of that. By the way, let me say this. Our church, we won't ever do a lot of separate offerings. So you, some of you have come from other churches. You may be used to that where, you know, every week or every month do lots of offerings. We won't do a lot of that here. We'll do a little bit of that. But we just believe that God provides through the individuals, you know, just us freely giving to our church. And uh, we have in the past done a, a, what we call a life offering, you know, the L-I-F-E, Love Intentionally for Eternity, and uh, where we would take an offering maybe for like a month as you guys, as we as a church pray through it to give it to international missions, to give to some you know, other specific causes. And we will probably do that in the future. But to be honest with you, just that weekly, week in and week out is, is, should be the, the priority. And it's a proportionate to whatever God has provided and given to us. So if you're a broke student, then let your gifts be like a broke student. You know, God's honored with that. If you're, I don't know, if you're a wealthy millionaire hanging among us and you just have individual investments, you know, and you, you um, inherited lots of money and God's blessed you, then give appropriately. But if it's a million dollars, our church isn't ready to handle a million dollars. Like we would just need to give most of that away because we would start building stained glass and crystal palaces. And let's just be honest, we don't need to do any of that. The rest of the world needs that money way more than we do. So uh, by the way, that is why we try not to have a cathedral here because it's about people. We want to give that out, which leads me to my next point. Your giving should be to worthy purposes should be to worthwhile things. Look what Paul says. We know that it was a collection for the saints in verse 16. He says in verse, or verse, chapter 16, verse 1, but he says in verse 3, When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by Larry letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. They were taking up an offering. All the churches sp spread throughout that world as Paul had helped start these. They all took up an offering to go back to help the the. Uh, the Jewish believers, the followers of Christ in Jerusalem, there was a horrible famine in the land. We don't know, you know, details about that, but they were giving it to people. I, I think we know this, but our giving should go when it impacts people's lives. That's what we give toward. It should be a red flag if our, you know, we're giving to an entity or an organization and we start seeing like, hey, wait a minute. This money's not going to directly help people as much as it is to, you know, to maybe build incredible things or this and that. No, hear me. We've, you know, light bills, we've got to get paid for every ministry and every organization, and buildings have to be, you know, built. It's, I would love to worship under a tree in New York, but I'll just tell you, it would be cold outside right now. And, you know, so, but, but even so, what we spend our money on should go to worthy purposes. After our service today, we will have a, a, a meeting, a ministry meeting, a business meeting, a family meeting, whatever you want to call it. But we together as a church will adopt a budget 
for next year. Um, it's actually a really important thing because it's where the church gets to look at and weigh in and say, yeah, we agree with these values. We agree with these priorities. This is where we want to invest our money. This is where I want to invest as a member of this church the money that I'm sacrificing and giving to God. I want to make sure it goes to a worthwhile place. Um, the video that I showed earlier is our, we care, I care deeply about international missions, about people around the world knowing Jesus Christ. It's why we've adopted a people group in Mexico and go there working amongst the Nahuatl people, helping a pastor there. Uh, my prayer and hope is that we can go again this year. We weren't able to last year. Uh, but every week out of our offerings or every month, we gather those for the month and we send uh, money based on what you guys give. It's a percentage giving. 3% of that goes out the door. We're trying to practice as a church, tithing as a church to model. So 10% of everything that comes here, we say, does not go, any, go, go here for us. It goes out there. Uh, we help, we give uh, gifts regularly to Capital City Rescue uh, in Albany because we care about the homeless and the poor who are struggling to have a warm bed and meals. And so uh, if you give to River, I, I want you to know you're supporting them. Now, you may have a heart for that and want to give more on top of it in your own budget financially. You could do that. Um, honestly, that would be great. But we want to make sure as a church that we're prioritizing that and demonstrating that. We give uh, I think 4% to help other churches get started. That's where I was last week preaching at one of those churches in this area because people need the gospel. And so I think you'll see in our budget, we're actually increasing our giving from uh, that we go we send on to other entities from 10 to I think 11% or so. I'll let Dan, he's way better at math than me, let him handle all of that. But people matter. And then the money that we keep here, we want to make sure it's going for the right kinds of things. Last thing and I'm done and this is significant, it should be administered with integrity. It should be handled with a level of integrity. I want you to notice careful what Paul says. He says in verse 3, When I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Here's what Paul said. Hey, guys, I'm going to take them an offering. Just give it to me. Trust me. I'm going to take care of it. No, he didn't say that. You know what he said? He said, you guys take up an offering. And then you decide who among you you're going to trust to make sure that money gets to where it's supposed to go. Make sure it goes to Jerusalem. Paul wasn't assuming anything. Now, he was an apostle, and he had a tremendous amount of authority. He wasn't even saying, I'm going to be in there. And he says, and if it's right for me to go, then those guys can go with me. But he was saying, my hands are off the money. I'm not touching it. I'm not going anywhere near that. And in fact, you as a church make that decision. I'm not even telling you who you should appoint and make all of those things happen. As a, as a people, whatever organization and ministry you give your money to, whether it's a church or some other entity, you should expect those things to be handled with integrity. It's appropriate. There should be appropriate reportings and accountings and all of those kinds of things. Those truly, genuinely matter. And uh, we have done in the past, sent those out. I don't know if we do those quarterly. We may not have done that recently, especially with your back going out. But we, it matters to us that you as a church know that our finances are handled with integrity. So I don't ever see any of that or touch any of that. In fact, I got involved with the basketball money, and I was a little uncomfortable. I'm like, this is weird. I'm not used to handling money. And I bought the tickets. 
And uh, I asked, I told everybody when we bought the basketball tickets that they were 10 bucks a piece. When I called, I found out they were eight. I'm thinking, woohoo, I can go to McDonald's on the 10 bucks that's left over. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. And especially after I saw the $8 on the ticket, I'm like, yeah, somebody will see that and figure that one out. So that was a bad idea. But you know, in all seriousness, it should be handled well. It grieves me, believe it or not, in churches, I'm told the statistic globally, that churches will have more money lost due to um, uh, pastors or treasurers or whomever who've stolen and embezzled and siphoned off funds than the global churches give to missions more. Uh, we don't want to ever have that happen here, guys. And every church thinks well, it can never happen here, but that's why we put checks and balances in place, and we will increasingly you know, look at those things. But that's why Dan handles that, and Gary is helping Dan, and why our hands, you know, pastors, are, are out of those kinds of things. Because God tells us to do, to do that, not just because it's common sense, but it's the right biblical thing. So this morning, as our team comes up and leads us in response time, where are you with your giving? Maybe it's a challenge for you to hear a message about giving. Notice that Paul didn't say, hey, you have to give, you know, there's no bills going out. It's a matter of worship. And in the Old Testament, the worship started at 10%. But you know what reality hits in the New Testament? The ceiling goes up from there. Too often we have it our baseline, guys, and I'm just talking to me, and I, I'm, I'm just talking where Sean lives. Um, I always want to experience more and blessing. We have in our American dream to want our kids to have it better than we had it, right? And our parents before us hoped that we had it better than they had it. Can I just be really honest with you? And that's not God's dream. That might be our dream and our standard philosophy. But somewhere along the line, all of us need to say, you know what? It's enough. I have enough. I don't need a bigger house, I don't need a better bow, I don't need a better car, I don't need a better... And if you just bought a new house, I'm not guilting anyone here this morning, but somewhere along, all of us have to get to a point to say, I got enough. I don't need any more. I've got Jesus. He's provided for my needs. I'm okay. And we ought to shift that mindset to say, what can I give? Because here's the reality. You and I, if we're not careful, we will make our whole life trying to feather our nest in how we live here on this earth, even as followers of Christ. And guys, God says, don't live for now. Live for eternity. Because I don't know how this is all going to work, but when those who know Jesus when they die are going to heaven, we will enjoy the rewards of our obedience and faithfulness on this earth for eternity. So would you rather spend a thousand bucks for something new that's going to break down in a year or two or five years or ten years? Or would you rather spend a thousand bucks to bless somebody, invest in God's kingdom, help other people know Christ, or do something amazing and get to enjoy the reward from God in heaven of that for forever? That's two totally different things. Again, I'm not guilting any of us. I just want us to have the perspective that God has, that even how we handle our finances in this life needs to impact eternity. So whatever God has been kind of whispering in your heart, 
This is your response time to honor Him in that, okay? It's your time to say, God, I hear you. I'm, I'm going to deal with this. So I don't know if it's a commitment that you say, well, I need to go back and talk to my wife. Uh, maybe you're thinking, I need to go take that back to the store. Or maybe you're saying, no, I just need to set up a budget. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? I've never been disciplined. I am in debt. I, I'm not able to give the way I want to. But today I'm going to commit. I'm going to call somebody, talk to somebody, find some help. I'm going to start working through that so I can begin to prioritize. But wh wherever that is, or maybe you've been giving, but you've just forgotten to worship and lost the joy of it. You've just been doing it for so long, it's a habit. Just like drinking a cup of water you just take for granted. So today, worship God in that. And I'm going to add one more little layer into it if I can. We celebrate, and here in just a minute, our ushers are going to come up and, and uh, pass out the, the Lord's Supper plate, and, or the juice in the cups. We give to God financially out of the overflow of what He gave us. And He gave us Jesus. So this act of worship is a reminder that He already sacrificed everything. So I want you to think about that aspect of it as we worship Him. So if you would... Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.